The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and, and as always, I'm joined by the governor, Mitch Krumpetich. My fellow Americans. <laughs> I like that intro. Let's stick with that one. This week on the show, we'll be breaking down the first three games of the Suns season, and then we'll do a quick dive into the upcoming games of next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. All right, it's it's still Christmas break for us. I'm uh, in the Midwest at a farmhouse in the basement with poor Wi-Fi, so we're gonna try to be quick <laughs> on this one, and we're gonna do our biggest takeaways from the first three games of the season, and we're gonna start off with that Mavericks game, the home opener. And a nice win, 106-102 over the Mavs. Yeah, this was a great game because it was a close win over a good team. I think that's my big takeaway. If we want to make the playoffs, we need to be beating teams like the Mavs. And in the past, we have struggled to win close games, games that are within three, four, five points. And we were able to win this game by four. Now, I would say we were in control for most of the game. It wasn't really this close for all of it, but the Mavs are a tough team and they were getting some pretty favorable calls for most of the time, but you got to win those kind of games if you want to be a playoff team. And we did just that. Right. And you know, about the fouls, we know that Luke is going to get to the line plenty. The numbers were a little skewed in this one, but I mean, we we just got to get used to that. But what I take away from this is the grittiness of the team to be able to weather all of this, keep that lead. And, you know, over this roster is over made up of over half of new guys. So anything that we can do in crunch time is just so impressive. And you got to expect that it's going to get better and better throughout the year. But my main takeaway from this game has to be that Cameron Payne is more than just a bubble boy. We were, you know, heading into the season. Is campaign really going to be our backup point guard? It looks like, yeah, he's doing just fine. He had 11 points, three assists in this game in 20 minutes and a team leading plus 14 in the plus minus column. So we, we don't take a giant step back when cams out on the court. No, he's not CP three, but he's playing real well against bench units. Yeah, he definitely is. I mean, the, The plus minus is great. That's really helpful. The confidence from the bubble is still there. He's taking threes. He's getting to the rim. He's making the right play. He's really revived his career. And that's pretty exciting uh, to, to think about because the campaign was drafted very shortly after Devin Booker. Or maybe it was even the pick before. It was either the pick right before or the pick after Devin Booker. 
and the, the pick after the pick after. Okay. The, you know, you'd expect someone at that point to pan out a little bit more, but he's bounced around a little bit. He had to spend some time in the G league and everything like that. And it was fine at the end of the day, Monty Williams and, and his son's teammates have really revived Payne's career. And it's really exciting to, to see him perform so well early on here. Yeah, and then you get Frank Kaminsky from that draft class, too. I mean, right. we won the 2015 draft, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so any time that you can start off the season with a W like that, it's great. But then you head in. We fly over to Sacramento for a back-to-back against the Kings, and we drop the first one of the series, 106-103. And, Mitch, how about what, what's your biggest takeaway for this one? I think just that slow starts set the tone and affect the entire game. So we started this game off pretty slowly. The Kings go on a run very early, 18-2 or 20-2, and... That just really affected everything. We only ended up losing by three, but this is one of those games that, like I said with the Mavs, the Kings were in control most of the time. We got it a little bit closer, but they really had a handle on this most of the time. Again, we had some foul trouble. The Kings shot a lot of free throws, which, yeah, there's probably some ticky-tack calls, but... We also foul a lot, got to understand that. So when we're trying to claw our way back, it just makes life that much harder. So if we can start the game off strong, that's really going to set the tone. I know there's going to be some slow starts, but these 18 or 20 to 2 runs to start the game are just going to set you up to fail. Oh yeah, when that one started off 11 to 0 in the Kings' favor, I... I almost just wrote the game off right there because that's that's a lot to come back from within the first minutes of the game. And I mean, it, it's a it's a mental thing, too. It's not just physically getting buckets and coming back. That wears on you when you know you're down that much. You know, you have to come back this much to even tie up the game. That takes out a lot. But, you know, we did fight back, did grab a lead once or twice in there, too, I believe. So it's grit, you know, like I said, against the Mavs, like these guys can stick around, they can make things interesting. And once it all clicks, I think we're going to be a really successful team. But my biggest takeaway from this one is that Devin Booker needs to take better care of the ball. And yes, it's early in the season. And yes, we know that we rely on Devin book with the ball in his hands a lot. So he will turn the ball over some, but in this one, he had seven turnovers. And then we have the rest of the team combined for four. So 11 turnovers in a game, not too bad. But when it's all coming from one guy, seven of them from one guy, that's a little concerning. And maybe it's just early in the season, though. Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's early in the season. Booker's getting double teamed a lot. He, The Kings really focused on him because they know that once he gets started, he can be tough to stop and he can really fill up the stat sheet and win games for the Suns. So they were hounding him a lot, definitely. But it's still no excuse. You can't turn the ball over seven times. That's ridiculous. Right. And I think shout-outs are due, though. Buddy Heald played pretty solid defense on Booker in both of these games. 
And Heald isn't known to be a great defender by any means. And then when Fox got switched onto him towards the end of that this game here, he really shut down Booker on a few possessions. Like, wouldn't let him get around a screen, could barely dribble the ball on him. That was some impressive stands there by Fox. So, you know, we, we need those secondary guys to help take off the pressure. And Chris Paul, he's just not quite there yet. The The chemistry with the team isn't quite there. Uh, maybe Chris needs some more time to get back into playing shape a little bit too, but I, I still have a lot of faith in this team, even even after being a little nervous after this first Kings game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Just the chemistry. And Chris Paul is also 35 years old. He, he has lost uh, maybe half a step, and we have to be okay with that. He's still excellent. Which reminds me, for our bet question, this was in the game against the Mavs. We asked how many assists Chris Paul would have. He only had five assists, so between the two of us, I actually won this one. I said 10, you said 12. So we were both way off, but I was slightly closer. So I guess I will take that win, even though I would have liked to see some more assists. But he's he's building chemistry with the team. But shout-outs are due. So on Twitter, uh, when you tweet at us, at Sunny and PHX Pod, with your guess, you, you get entered into the shout-out competition. So there was a tie, actually, between friend of the show, Comic Evangelist, on Twitter, and at Eric underscore Sar, I believe that's how you say your name. Correct me if I'm wrong. S-A-A-R. So shout out to Eric Sar and Comic Book Evangelist. They both said eight. So they were a little bit closer than I was. Well, the homerism sure comes out in these, Mitch. I if we're <laughs> gonna be if we're gonna be off, I wanna be at least five or six high for whatever it is gonna be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just gotta keep that optimism flowing. All right, so now let's let's move to the the next Kings game, the one we just finished up watching, and 116-100 final score. The Suns, a bit of a slow start in this one. It was tight pretty much all the way through, but just an explosion in the third and fourth quarters to really seal this game up. Something I've been waiting to see. I wanted to see a, a bit of a dominant spurt, and it, it really came from all places in this one. And that, that's my big takeaway. Well-rounded scoring. We have Mikhail Bridges put up 22. Cam Johnson with 21. Devin Booker with 20. That That's 60-plus points out of three guys. And, you know, we don't rely on Mikhail and Cam to do that. So I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, it was great. I I really enjoyed watching Cam especially go to work and score from – Mid-range, three-point range, close range. He was really doing it all a little bit in transition, which I'll talk about in a second here. Mikhail, too, though, his three-point shot has been good. He's made some contested threes, which I don't think he would have even took in the last couple years. So happy about him pulling the trigger a little more willingly. That's nice. Devin Booker is going to do what he does. He has scored 20 or more points and he's got a streak going back to last season where he scores 20 or more. So that's just to be expected, but it's really nice when we don't have to rely on book scoring 40, 45, 50 points, whatever. It's nice that we can have 
20 from one guy, 20 from another, 20 from Booker, 15 from someone else. Yeah, we're we're pretty well-rounded this year. Yeah, and another couple guys in double digits with Aiton and Kaminsky both scoring 11. Yes, Frank Kaminsky back in the roto. We uh, It seems like we booted Damian Jones out of there. Frank got 19 minutes in this game, and he was plus 17. We really played well when Frank was in. He hit a three, had a block shot, a couple boards, a couple assists. That's Frank Kaminsky basketball right there. Yeah, it's nice to have him back. My big takeaway from this game, though, is just the transition play. Defensive transition, transition on offense. We were really getting back, which I know Monty Williams has just been harping on this throughout the the beginning of this season. Get back on defense. Chris Paul likes that too. I know. I know that for sure. We did a really good job of slowing the Maverick or not the Mavericks, slowing the Kings down in transition. They were trying to run a little bit and we just wouldn't let them. We were getting back. And then on offense, we were forcing some turnovers and I guess on defense forcing turnovers, but then the offense came. We were making shots or getting to the line. I thought we did really well in transition on both ends of the court. Yeah, totally. Holding the Kings to six points and on the fast break, that's impressive. When you think of De'Aaron Fox, fastest player in the league, and he really can finish when he's on the run. So containing him was a big part of this win and yeah the transition was just huge it's uh it's nice after you get beat by something one game you know less than 24 hours later to come and correct that that's a great sign to see out of this team early on in the season yeah and that's just the sign of a playoff team i know i'm throwing around this word quite a bit but it's i think it's going to be reality i don't really mind saying it Playoff teams are going to be able to make adjustments. If you look at a playoff series, it's going to look kind of like what we saw tonight, especially during COVID times where we might be limiting travel a little bit. We might see a back-to-back or maybe more like having one day off between games. But to be able to make adjustments like that is really good in in-season preparation for the playoffs. Yeah, and before we move on, the the back-to-back game against the same team, uh, I think I'm a big fan of that because mm. it, it, the playoff factor, you know, it feels a little bit like the playoffs. But I, I like the idea of if you lose to a team twice in a row, it probably means that they're better than you. And I think the Suns knew that heading into this game that we can't lose back-to-back games against the Kings. And especially with the, you know, in the Western Conference, if things are going to be coming down to tiebreakers and we get into the play the play-in tournament and the seeding might be pretty darn close. I mean, if we had dropped both of these games, we'd be in a we'd be feeling pretty bleak right now, I think. Yeah, every game is really going to matter this season, which it always does, but even more so this year with 10 less games and, yeah, the play-in tournament, especially against the Kings and the Mavericks. All of these games are important, and we're going to be playing the Eastern Conference teams less than we normally would due to the COVID scheduling. So it's, yeah, every single game is going to be important, and all of the other games that are going on at once will be important too. 
I I saw the the Thunder had won recently, which was a little bit of a surprise. But I was just thinking, oh, that's important. If the Thunder start winning games, we're going to have to factor them in to how that affects our playoff chances. So it's every game that's going on on any given night is going to be very important, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. The West is, you know, pretty wide open after the Lakers. Who knows what's going to be happening two through ten now? So, I mean, yeah, this is going to be a really fun year to watch basketball. Every game matters. That's a really good point. All right. And moving into next week's games. These are more important games right off the bat. We got the Pels, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. All in a week. It's going to be a wild one. Let's start off with the Pels, though. This one's Tuesday, the 29th, and it's on TNT. So, I know a lot of people are in a pretty tough boat trying to figure out where to watch these games so man i'm thankful a lot of these are on national tv but the pelicans what do you think about this one yeah this could be a tough game the pelicans look pretty good so far zion williamson has been playing well they now have steven adams who has given given deandre ayton and our big men trouble in the past um former son eric bledsoe is there now and I don't know if he is going to be looking for any revenge or anything, but he's there. Um, Lonzo Ball is playing pretty well. Brandon Ingram is playing well. These guys have a, a pretty good team. And I think this is an exciting game because we know there's a lot of national hype about Zion Williamson. Big star at Duke, became a little bit of a household name, went into the NBA and we all know what happened last year where he didn't play very much. He had the injury issues. He plays a few games and looks pretty good, has some highlight plays. Thus far into the early season here, he's looking good. And to have the Suns come in and just show them what's up, I'd love to win by 10 or 15 points here and do it on a national stage on TNT. That I, I, think, I think our chances are good. And it's going to be really nice to have the rest of the country get a taste of what we've been experiencing for a little bit now here. Yeah, I like that. And I'm, I'm, my big takeaway is how we're going to handle the bulk, like you mentioned too. Adams is always a handful. Williamson's a big boy too. Him on him versus Crowder will be an interesting matchup. And you know, I who, who's going to be the best guy to guard Zion in the NBA? Jay has a lot of the qualities that might might help. He, he's a he's got that low center of gravity. It feels like he's kind of a horse. He's a big boy down there. So, you know, I not quite Zion style, but maybe maybe Jay can contain him a little bit. I I sure hope so. But that'll be the like if we can keep Zion a little bit quiet in this game, that that'll raise our chances big time because we got Bridges who can we can stick on Ingram. I have faith in that matchup there and. Uh, I'd like to start talking about how crummy some ex-sons are looking so far early into the <laughs> season, especially Kelly Oubre, but Bledsoe is not having the hottest start to the season either. So we'll have to see how they all mesh together. They're, they have a lot of new faces on that team as well. So we'll see how that ends up. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. All right, then New Year's Eve against the Jazz. This one's in Utah and it's on NBA TV. We played the Jazz a couple times in the preseason, obviously lost both of those, but now that we're uh, 
into the regular season, gaining a little bit of chemistry. I, I hope we can uh, hang with the Jazz a little bit more. I think that I think we're a better team than than the Jazz. Uh, might be a little early to say that. We haven't proven it yet, but I think we can be a better team than the Jazz. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think this game is really going to come down to defense. We have to be able to stop Bogdanovich, great shooter. We have to be able to shut down Donovan Mitchell. And we have to be able to contain the the lobs to Rudy Gobert. That's going to be the key. Right, Aiton versus Gobert. That'll be a that'll be a matchup that we need to keep our eyes on. And another thing, I want to see us continue to attack the rim even with Gobert on the floor. Because I, I've noticed this, even against Whiteside in these Kings games, we started just staying out of the paint when he was in there after he blocked a shot or two. And when, when you get complacent like that, that's that's not going to be good. It's not going to be good unless you're hitting your threes at a nice clip. So I, I want to see us be aggressive against them and, you know, get Gobert in foul trouble maybe. That might be the best thing we could do. Yeah, definitely take it right at them. All right, after that one, the Nuggets on New Year's Day, 7 p.m., and we're just facing some solid bigs. You know, we got the the Bruiser Adams, then we got the defensive man, Gobert, and then you got Jokic the next game. So this is a, a quite the stretch for Aiton. Yeah, it's going to be tough. This is also in Denver on the second night of a back-to-back, so... I am pretty confident in calling that a scheduled loss. This happens pretty much every season, not just this year. I know this logistically makes sense because we don't travel too far. We go from Phoenix to Salt Lake City to Denver and then back to Phoenix. But this is, yeah, it's tough to go into Denver on the second night of a back-to-back and play a very good Nuggets team. Jokic and Jamal Murray, they're just starting out really great they're they're a good team yeah for sure and michael porter jr he's really uh turned a page over the last like since last season he, he's become a a real nice scorer and all-around player so there's another good matchup for bridges and another fun one to watch yeah hopefully it's close yes sir and then the last game of the week sunday at 6 p.m. against the Clippers, and let's just hope that the Clippers lay an egg like they did today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Kawhi Leonard is back or not by then. I haven't heard much since his injury on the timetable for his return, so if he's out, they're a different team. Paul George has been struggling uh, so far in the, the early season here, but... If, if there's no Kawhi, that's going to help. But if he's there, this could be a tough one as well. Man, I I don't have a ton to say, but that shot that Kawhi took from uh, Ibaka, that incidental contact, yeah, I haven't seen an elbow land quite like that in a while. That was pretty intense. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't hear that he like broke a jaw or something because that really looked rough. It did. It looked bad. But with that, we need to talk about the bet question here. So we're going to go back to the Jazz game on Thursday, New Year's Eve, the last game of 2020. Our question is, how many points will Cam Johnson score against the Jazz? All right, I'll, I'll take this one first. 
I'm I'm hyped about Cam Johnson, and I think that when he comes off the bench, he he's kind of our main man to get buckets off the bench, and I'm I'm excited for that role for him. Uh, as much as I'd like to see him start, I yeah I I still think that he'll be able to do a lot of work off the bench, and I'm gonna suggest that this is what I think that Cam might end up averaging on the year. I'm going to go with 14. 14. Okay. I think I'm actually even more optimistic. I I like what I've seen from him. I like him being the first option against second units. I'm actually going to say 20. Oh. Yeah, I think he's going to keep rolling with this. So send, yeah, I I know. (laughs) Send your response to us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX pod on Twitter. Uh, You can respond to us or I will also tweet it the day of the game and you can respond to that. And whoever's closest will get a shout out on not next week's episode because we won't have an episode next week. I'm going to be on my honeymoon, but the week after I will make sure to get you that shout out. I can't believe we're not doing an episode while you're on your honeymoon. I know. Sorry. I'm just not that dedicated to the game, I guess. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> weak, Mitch. That's kind of weak. But Sorry. You know, I guess I guess it only happens once. We'll, we'll let it slide. Oh, thank you. What a relief. And with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show. So you are still in the Southern D back in the Midwest yes, for Christmas in the snow. I stayed here in Phoenix, so pretty different experiences weather-wise. But I want to talk about the snow since we both grew up in, in snowy places. What's your favorite thing to do in the snow? Uh, make my way inside. <laughs> Even I, as I really... a kid? <laughs> okay, as, as a kid, it was definitely just going to old Toboggan Hill. Are, are uh, the one hill in town and going sledding. That that's that was really the highlight of the snow for me. Never skied, never snowboard, didn't have a snowmobile, didn't have a big bad boy truck with four wheel drive. So yeah, I gotta say just sledding probably. Yeah, sledding's great. Now I did ski. Um, I my parents live on a mountain back in Wyoming, which was pretty close. Not in like Jackson Hole or anything like that, but in a, you know, still mountainous area. And it was pretty cool to be close to the the ski area. Uh, But I also think I would go with sledding. My sister and I would go out and we had a big hill just in our backyard that we could sled down and there would be this big drift just based on how the wind would blow. And we could, we could get going pretty quick but then you just run into a powdery pile of snow and it never hurt or anything like that so we had some pretty exciting sledding experiences we'd try to make jumps and yeah it was pretty fun you know what i fort building if we're going back to the the childhood Mm. days Mm -hmm. building forts like making big snowball bases for it and that was pretty fun with the snowball fights that's the runner-up that's my runner-up for sure. Yeah, that's a good one, definitely. All right, well, we thank you guys for tuning into this quick episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks with a new one. So, 
you know, just watch the games, enjoy it. You, you'll uh, you'll get by not hearing us for a week, I promise. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. I'll still be tweeting. Yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. But again, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks, and go Suns. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought me some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm And the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you'd love me so Let it snow, let it snow and snow